Great. Okay, onward. This is the final week of our mini-series called Generous Joy, and I'm so glad you're here. We are talking about, if you were here with us last week, you know how to find incredible and lasting joy in life, and to do that, we're going to connect. We're going to find the secret connection between generosity and joy. I have a friend who was talking to me just uh, recently. Um, They have a restaurant, and they... uh, they feed on holidays just people who have nothing. And, and talking about the incredible joy that they get out of that, I think they're tapping into exactly what we're talking about. Now, a lot of what I've shared last week, a lot of what I'll share this week comes from a wonderful book called The Treasure Principle. It's written by Randy Alcorn and I highly recommend it. Now, Sri and Amanda were able to get some copies, and we're going to make these available to you at a discount of just $5. Now, they're worth far more, and you can tell when you look at the place where you look to find out how much somebody spent on the greeting card they gave you, you'll find out. Like, if you're from the U.S., it's a great deal. If you're from Canada, it's like a really great deal. So if you're like you're from Pickin, that's like Canada to us, right? So make sure... No, I love you, but... You're out there and it's snowy. And so get this. It is amazing. You go to the welcome booth. We have 10 copies, but we've got to sign up and they'll be here next week if, if, if we run out. And I expect that we will. So let's do that. Okay, moving on. Now, Alcorn starts his book by saying that you and I have been spending our lives on a treasure hunt. We are searching for the perfect person and we're searching for the perfect place. Now, here's the, here's the takeaway. Jesus is that person and heaven is that place that we're wired to look for. We're wired to hunt for. So he's saying this, that if you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, you've already met the person and you're headed to the place. But here's the deal. We don't yet know, we don't yet live with that person the way that we want they will. We don't yet live in that place in, in the way that we one day will. But, but here's the thing. We can have generous joy in the journey to get there and the fulfillment of generous joy when we get there. So um, if you were with us, we saw that Jesus in Matthew 6 uncovers the secret of generous joy which we want in our lives. We want generous joy, lavish joy. We want joy overflowing in everybody's life. And he uncovers this, the treasure principle in Matthew chapter six. Here's what Jesus says. He says this. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Stop there. Why? Why does he say that? Does he say that because treasures on earth are bad? No, no. Take a look. He says, because moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. He says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth because it's a bad deal. You're going to lose them, right? Jesus says he has a better idea. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves. It's not bad to lay up stuff for yourselves. Treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He's saying that you can have a better deal. He's pointing to us to trade lesser treasures for greater treasures. Treasures that we are going to lose for treasures that we will never lose. He's saying, lay up for yourselves this kind of treasure. Not that treasure's bad, but the wrong kind of treasure is just stupid. 
right? Because you can't hold on to it. It's going to break. It's going to go out of style. You're going to lose it. So have this. And then he, he does this mic drop when he drops this truth bomb on us. 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Boom. Now, I, I added the boom. It's not part of the scripture. I don't think he would mind because he's making a big point here. He's saying that where we spend our money, where we put our treasure is a magnet for our hearts, that our hearts gravitate to where we spend our money. So we want to be careful about that. And we said that there are seven keys to generous joy. Last week, we covered four of them. We're going to move through them in, uh, in review. If you were here with us, this is going to be a refresher. If you were not and you would like the virtual reality experience, go to our website, gunnisonbethany.com or iTunes and look for Generous Joy Part 1 and you can listen to it. But we're going to quickly move through the four that we've covered and, and, and go to the three others. We're going to answer some questions and then we're going to go. Okay, key number one, we said Jesus is the ultimate treasure. Now we have to get this first key because it unlocks the doors to everything else. And if this is not true for you, I would suggest that that is the reason that you're here this morning is to make Jesus the ultimate treasure. Look, you and I, we're talking about generosity. We can't buy our way to heaven, but Jesus, he spent everything, all of him, all of himself to buy you for him for eternity. He made you his treasure so that we could make him our treasure. And and as long as we're talking about generous joy, we got to talk about this first. It's connected to Jesus being the ultimate treasure. It says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In Jesus' presence, there is fullness of joy. That is maximum joy. You want generous joy, you got to have Jesus as your treasure. You got to, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. This is like turning it all the way up. So I only turn up when I do, it's to 11, right? He's turned up. This is maximum joy. This is deep joy, lasting joy, unshakable joy, irreplaceable joy, matchless joy, indescribable joy. So let me ask you, what is better? If this is true, that in his presence is fullness of joy, is the epitome of joy, then what are you going to do on Friday night, Saturday night, all your days uh, with your free time? that is going to be better than pressing into and making yourself aware and enjoying the presence of Jesus. There's nothing more that we can do. Okay, so make Jesus your treasure. Number two, key number two, God owns, I manage. God owns, I manage. And the way that we unpack this, the key verse was Psalm number 24. David said, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. That means all the stuff, the world and those who dwell in them. That means all the people. So everything and everyone belongs to God. Everything we own, everything we earn, everything belongs to him. So we have to see ourselves as stewards, as managers of what God has. So what we did last week was we we provided these post-it notes, right? And we said we were going to go home and we were going to write God's stuff and put it all on everything that we have. Okay, so Eric and Kathy were tired Yes, last week after church, they take a nap. I love their kids. They, they woke up the whole house. It's plastered with these things all over. God's magic bullet, God's dog, God's refrigerator, God's TV set, right? It's great. They're going to be finding these forever. 
forever. I mean, like weeks from now, Eric's going to be like gyrating up there. He's going to go, oh, God's underwear. I, you know, I, you know, I don't know. But it's a reminder that everything we have is his, right? And then we said we had like these, these markers and we said, you know, go right on your debit cards. It's like God's money, right? Did you, did you do that? Did you have to give it to somebody this week? Did they look at you for, I went to the doctor, right? So they could check out my cabeza because they need to do that from time to time. You're saying you need to go back, you know, I know, I know. I know. But so like I'm paying my deductible and she looks at it and I go, yeah, I think he's good for it. Don't you? She said, yeah, well, I don't know. So, you know, it reminds us, it reminds people and it reminds us of the truth of Romans chapter four, verse 12. He says, we are going, oh, that's the wrong, that's the wrong verse. Um, that's okay. I put it in wrong. It's fourteen twelve. So then each one of us will have to give an account to God. And, and that's the truth that we're going to have to give an account. And that account is going to involve some accounting. So you say, did you, how did you use what I gave you? Did you do what you wanted or did you do what I wanted? Did you want what I wanted? And that's not to say, do you get in or you not get in? We get in because of Jesus, but we want to please him. We want to find out like at the end and we've been blowing it without knowing it. So, so this is what this is about that we get to know where real treasure is. And, and so we're going to do that. So I, God owns, I manage. Number three, money leads. Let's, here we go. Money leads, heart follows. Money leads, heart follows. We talked this a, a little bit, right? That what we spend our money on is a magnet for our hearts. And Jesus said this. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have to be careful about where we put our treasure because our hearts are drawn there right? So if we put our treasure into God honoring eternal things, that's where our hearts are going to be. And that's the location where he can pour in generous joy. If we pour our, our resources and all our focus on earthly things, that's where our heart is going to be anchored, right? And you can't have generous joy with an earthly heart. Now we know this about certain things. If you've ever been fortunate enough to have a new car, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a new car, But if you have a new car, you know what this is about with the money and then the heart getting it because you go in the garage at night alone to look at your car. Like you're going, no, no, I did. Your wife will say, yes, you did. You did. You sing to it, don't you? Right? And in the beginning, it's clean. I mean, nobody's getting in there unless their hair is still wet from the shower. They have to take a shower 30 minutes, right? Longer than 30 minutes, you got to get back in. You're not getting in the car. They throw their shoes in the trunk, right? And nobody, not even your mom, is eating a French fry in that car. Cars are for eating French fries in. But nobody's getting in there. And this weekend, you got plans. You're gonna, you're gonna wax it. You're gonna wash it. You're gonna sing to it. You got baby diapers. You're gonna, and then you drive scared, right? You drive scared that you're gonna like the ding police. You're gonna get the first ding, and then and it's all over. Look, I know. I have done this. This is exactly how it works. Where we put our treasure, our hearts go. So if you and I put our treasure in heavenly, eternal things, we become obsessed with that. We become more of a blessing to people here. And we get that generous joy that is so elusive. Okay. Number four, 
Heaven is my home. This earth is not my home. The Bible calls us strangers, aliens, visitors, sojourners, right? Carrie Underwood said it right in her song. This is my temporary home. We're just visitors. Now, one of the things that's important to realize, I I saw a commercial. This is like years ago. And I want to show it to you, but I can't find it. Um, There's a woman and she's ordering around a lot of these... um, uh, designers and, and people in a bedroom. She's redecorating a bedroom, like from the walls to the drapes, to the carpets, to the sheets, to everything. And, and she's got them all working. She's renovating everything top to bottom. And they zoom out and you realize she's in a holiday inn, right? And you're like, crazy, you don't do that. You're moving out soon. And in uh, a moment, I saw kind of what our life is like in, in light of eternity. Like we're trying to um, fix this, this thing up like it's our permanent home. And, and Jesus said this. He said, in my father's house, as many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So this is the truth. And we talked about this last week. That if, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that Jesus is also your general contractor. And in heaven, he has been busy. And, and, and word has that he's a pretty good carpenter. Just saying. And he's building you a mansion in glory. So you have, you have a dream house, which should take the pressure off of you from thinking, I really need my dream house here. Look, if we believe him, we're going to trust him. And if we don't, we won't. But that's it. And so that was the longest intro in the history of sermons. Uh, And now we're going to move on to the three that you did get last week. Key number five. Here we go. Live not for the dot, but for the line. What is that about? Johnny, I need you. Need you, man. Take this, if you would. Run up those stairs. Just unravel it. Unravel it. Yeah, all the way. Okay, here's a better way. Let me show you something. Don't don't say Tom never gave you anything. There you go. Go. Go for it. All the way up. This is your lifeline. All the way up the stairs, Johnny. You're my man. Okay, now I want you to take a look. At this line, I want you to imagine that Johnny isn't going to just stop at the top of the stairs. He's going to put it through the hallway, out the window. This is going to California, across the ocean, and around the world several times. This line represents, you can let it go, it's fine. This represents eternity. Eternity. Now, you and I were created to live for this line. Our life on earth is this not right? This little thing hanging off. I guess that's like your umbilical cord. I don't know. But this is your, this knot is your dot. And this line is eternity and just keeps going. Now for you and I to make a decision that's good for the dot, but not for the line. That's not a good decision, is it? Now, if I make a decision that's good for this line and a little bit uncomfortable for this dot, it's still a great decision because you're going to have it longer. This is the whole thing. So key number five is live not for the dot, but live for the line, right? Now, we are living in the dot. The question is, are you living for the dot? Or are we going to make decisions based on what's best for the line? That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, and it's not that the things in the dot are bad. 
They're just limited to the dot. And I created you for the line. And in me, you have the line. So live not for the dot, but for the line. Because giving is living for the line. And so that's what we want. We got to realize the generous joy is eternal. So number six, giving is the only antidote for materialism. Now, Jesus talks about our stuff more than he talks about our sexuality, more than he talks about what's broken. He talks about our relation to stuff. It's a great barometer. And he says, materialism, getting anchored to the things of this world is the thing that is going to keep you from me. It's going to thing that's going to keep you from peace. It's the thing that's going to keep you from joy. Materialism is saying that stuff, or in this generation, experiences are my treasure, they're my security, they're my joy. And so I'm going to collect as many of them as I can. And he wants to set us free. Here's the key verse. It's in 1 Timothy. He says, as for the rich in this present age, you go, well, it doesn't talk about me. Yeah, it does. That's all of us. That's all of us. Because it's talking about rich, meaning having more than is necessary for your basic needs. And we happen to live, even the poorest of us, in the wealthiest of times in one of the wealthiest of countries. So compared to when this was written and what was on the heart of God as he poured this into the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy, we are the rich of this present age. Charge them not to be haughty, nor set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Does that mean you can't have stuff? No. It says, don't set your hopes on that. That's not your joy. That's not your security. But put your hopes on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Did you get that? Stuff is not bad. God gives you stuff to enjoy, but not to make your joy. Are you tracking with me there? that we enjoy our stuff, but our stuff is not our joy. Jesus is our joy. Jesus is our security. So that's the thing. Can you have stuff without and enjoy things as a gift from God without making that stuff your joy, your security? Keeping God as your joy, as your security. And here's what you do. They are told to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. That's what we're talking about. Generous joy. The people with open hands are the people who experience generous joy. Thus storing up treasure for themselves. It's best for you. It's best for me to live this way. It's counterintuitive. The more we give, the more we have, the more we share, the more we receive, the more joy we provide, the more we get. That's what he's saying. Storing up for themselves treasure, that's treasure in heaven for themselves as a good foundation for the future, for the line, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Truly life. What God is saying here is that most of us will go through life with hands clenched and settle for kindergarten, dollar store, off-brand, fake life when we could live with open hands and have what is truly life. But we got to trust him. We got to trust him. And we got to believe that giving is the only antidote to materialism. That is what we do when we, when we do the offering here. That's what we're saying. When that play comes around, we, we worship with our giving. We're saying, God, 
This stuff that you blessed me with, this is not my joy. This is not my security. You're my joy. You're my security. That's how I worship with my giving. I give testimony every time I give that this stuff is not as important as the giver. Right? You're my joy. You're my security. And so the antidote for materialism is generosity. Now the last one, the last one, the last key, this this mind-blowing. God prospered me. Not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Now, this blew me away because every time I hear I'm, I'm going to get a raise or there's a windfall, or I think naturally of the next thing that I can do, the next thing that I can buy, the next thing that I can secure, the next trip that I can... God doesn't call us to think naturally. If we're on the path to generous joy, we need to think supernaturally. And that is that God is blessing me, not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. Now, if you're not having your basic needs met, then yes, raise your standard of living. But I would say this um, to mainly young people, or if you're recently married or something like that, have a conversation with your spouse about, this is what Shree and I did, how much is enough? How much is enough? Decide before you get there. Describe what enough is for you. And once you do that, then you will know that when God blesses you with more than that, you can stop and use that extra to help the poor, to advance his gospel. Because here's the thing. If you and I don't do that prayerfully before it happens, when it happens, that needle just keeps moving. Because you'll never run out of more stuff to do, more stuff to get. You say, well, there's a lot of gap between me and that. I say, it doesn't really matter. Have that comfort. What's enough? So that when you get there and God gives you more, you'll know that it's for something and someone else. That he's, think about it. This is what Randy Alcorn says in his book. And this is why you need to get it because there's a million of these things. He says, you got, a, you got a precious thing that you're sending to another person by FedEx. You learn that the FedEx guy, it's always a guy who does this, right? That the FedEx guy is not delivering your packages, but he's taking them home to use them for himself. You go, wait, he didn't get the memo. That's not his. He's just a middleman. He was the, the way that I was getting it from me to the person it was intended for. Don't you think that's what God thinks sometimes? He said, I'm I'm blessing you so that you can partner with me to be a blessing to other people. You're you're getting the wires crossed. You're taking it home and using it for yourself. Our key verse here is 2 Corinthians 9. He says, he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for food, that's God, right? Will supply and multiply that's exciting, right? Your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. This is an agrarian culture. They think in these terms, he's going to give you more seed for more productivity, right? Increase. You will be enriched, which means made rich in every way. Why? Now, our, our prosperity gospel friends would get this wrong, I believe, biblically by saying, he will enrich you in every way. Why? Um, so that we can live rich to show the world how God treats those who love him. That's not what the word of God says. He says, you will be enriched in every way. Why? To be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. 
He's going to keep giving you more so you can keep giving more. This is like the cycle of blessing. He's like, I'm going to, if you prove faithful to bless the lives of other people, I'm going to keep pouring into you. You're not going to be able to keep up with me because that's my DNA. That's what I want to do. I want to show people how loved they are. I want to show people how free they are. I want everybody to have help. I'm going to go on a little rant here, okay? I don't care whether you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. I don't care if you're independent. The church has given away this. And we rely on the government now. We didn't ask the government to do it. They picked it up because we abandoned it. There was a time in this country where the followers of Jesus Christ made sure everybody had enough to eat, made sure everybody had health care, made sure everybody had higher education. Do you know Yale, Harvard, Princeton, Stanford? They were all founded by Christians who, who, who were advancing the word of God. Hospitals, virtually every major hospital was founded by a follower of Jesus Christ who said, how are they supposed to believe in the divine healer, the great healer, if, if, if they're suffering? And, and now, because the church in America has largely said, let government take care of it. God is not glorified in the way he could be. I'm just, that was my rant. Okay, so it doesn't matter whether we're independent or Democrat or Republican God has said, I got the resources. I'm just looking, who's going to be faithful to let me pour them through them? And we're all waiting for the next guy to say, you test them. You test them on that one. I'm going to watch you. Let's just get bold and start in small ways. This is not for my prosperity. It's prosperity of everybody who's hurting, everybody who's struggling. Start with this town could eradicate poverty in this town. But truth is, followers of Jesus Christ on a national average give between 2 and 3% of their income. Do you know what um, people who do not have a, um, a, a religion or a faith give on average of their income? 2 to 3%. Which means that practically... What we say we believe has little or nothing to do with whether we live with open hands or not. This is not the place. I am not into guilt, but I'm convicted by this. And I I just want to share that with you, that I believe God has a dream for our families, our neighborhoods, our city, our town, our university. And I believe that if he turned the world upside down with 12 then with 250, people could be saying, what's going on? What's going on in this place? Everybody's eaten. Everybody's loved. Everybody's clothed. Everybody's warm. And the government is just standing by going, this is what we were trying to do. Okay. Questions, if you have any, um, for this, and then we'll wrap it up. Because we covered a lot of ground, and we did it quickly. Any questions on, on generous joy? And, and look, we don't talk a lot about giving here. If you're visiting, you just came at a weird time, okay? But God talks a lot about our stuff as being a barometer for our hearts. So I don't want to ignore that, but we don't, you know, you say, oh, I go to church once in five years. We're talking about giving. I'm never coming back. Come back. 
We'll talk about sex or something good next week. Okay. No, no. We're just going to talk about what God talks about. It's all areas. You know, he's trying to set you free. You got any questions? Any questions about this? Okay, nobody's going to talk about So here are some of the things that people have asked me. Won't I go broke doing this? Great question. That is a valid survey says. Eh, No. Here's what Jesus says. He says, give. It's going to be given to you. Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. Running. That's compact. That's overflowing. That is the Brinks truck of blessing backing up to you, right? It will be put into your lap for with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. God notices and God repays not in the same measure. Proverbs says, he who gives to the poor lends to the Lord and God will repay him. Do you know how God repays? This way, not one for one. He notices. He says, are you going to do what I want with my stuff? I'm going to entrust you with more. That's, that's the rule. Now, the, 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 the key there is that we can't turn that into so that I can have an airplane with a hot tub on it. You know, I, that is not God's dream for you. You got the line for the treasure. Right now, we're in the dot, and there's a lot of people hurting in the dot that God loves. And he says, what are my people going to do? I am not. Alcorn says this. I love how he says this. He says, God's the greatest giver in the universe. He's not about to let you outgive him. That's what, another question. Do, don't I need to provide for my family? Great question. Absolutely you do. Absolutely you do. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, he's denied the faith worse than an unbeliever, right? Because God calls us to love our families, to provide for our... Here's the thing. It's talking about basic provisions. Are they sheltered? Are they fed? Are they clothed? It is equally a sin in the eyes of God to overprovide at the expense of doing the other things that God cares about, which is advancing his kingdom and caring for the poor. So that's something we have to keep in balance. Yes, family first. But family, you know, you know I, I just, I don't know that my daughter needs that 50th pair of shoes versus me helping the, the, the folks that I know are struggling. That's all I'm saying. How do I know? Because I bought that 50th pair of shoe and I shouldn't have, right? Okay, another question. Does God think owning stuff is bad? No. Do you remember the verse? He says, he gives us things to enjoy, but not make them our joy, not make them, right? But it can be a trap. We've seen it be a trap, right? Does God think owning stuff is bad? No. But your stuff can't own you. When it keeps you from doing what he desperately wants to do through you, then it's a trap. I mean, think about what has happened in our country, right? Like at all levels of society, like even like entry-level housing, like what will people say, I need more of this. There's just not enough. Say it, storage, right? The most profitable real estate in the world is off-site storage. Do you know what storage basically is saying? I don't need this. I don't use this. I really don't even need to see this on a regular basis, but I want it. I want it still. (laughs) 
Okay, for most of us, that's what it means. I don't use this. I don't need this. I don't really need to see this, but I want it. I'm going to pay somebody to house it. So no, when God says, do not lay up for yourselves, lay up is like a, it's a horizontal term, right? If it's vertical, it's for use. If it's horizontal, it's for rest, okay? And so what it's saying is don't hoard, don't hoard stuff. Don't store up stuff. My daughter like just got engaged and she told her boyfriend, like, we said, when is this going to get serious? When will we know this is serious? She said, when I have him over for dinner, when I like at your house. And we found out like the week before she had been telling him, just be nice to my parents. They're hoarders. (laughs) Why'd you do that? They walked in. You really cleaned the place up. So don't lay stuff horizontally. Okay, that was that you. When we do the podcast, we'll cut that out, right? All right. (laughs) Horizontally, which means that it's not for our use. It's not for our use. He said, don't store up, lay up for yourselves. That's what's forbidden, not owning stuff. Anything else? Anything else? Let's see. How do I store up treasure in heaven? Um, I, I, I love what uh, uh, Rick Warren says. He says, the way to store up treasure in heaven is invest in getting more people there, right? And, and, and we, can, we can give to the poor and we can be generous and, and we can live for the line. That's, that's what it's about. If, if you need like a simple way to think about it, um, do for others what Jesus has done for you. Give to others as Jesus has given to you. Um, Love lavishly and expensively and generously the way that God spent all of himself to buy you. When you do that, you will be filled by the one who inspires that. And what did we say in the beginning? That in his presence is fullness of joy. It's counterintuitive and it runs contrary to what our culture will tell you. That collecting and amassing brings you peace, brings you security, brings you generous joy. And here's my fear. That you and I will never reach the end of that if that's what we go to. We'll just never reach the end because they'll always be coming up with the next thing that we don't yet have, that we can't yet afford. It's not that stuff is bad. It's that stuff is temporary and you are not. But we just have this window of time. This is the only time there will be poor. This is the only time there will be hurting. This is the only time there will be heartbreak. And God says, when you use what I've given you to alleviate this, then more people will find me and be able to enjoy the line where there is no poverty. There are no tears. There is no disease. Either. Generous joy is just the next step of earning and getting in. Or God is calling us to live with open hands and open hearts and discover what we haven't been brave enough to before.
that he's calling us to let him live through us in a way that allows people to see him and experience him in freedom and blessing and leaves you feeling like you're the one that's most fortunate. Here are keys. Jesus is the ultimate treasure. God owns, I manage. Money leads, the heart follows. Heaven is my home. I'm going to live like it. I'm going to spend like it. I'm going to invest like it. Live not for the dot, but for the line. Giving is the only antidote for materialism. And God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. This isn't everything. This is just trying to get free from the things that otherwise will own us. You want to make the world a better place and be left with generous joy. Jesus said, this is the way. If we believe him, we'll do it. If we don't, you're free not to. The trap that I don't want us to fall into is saying, I believe him, I'm just not going to do it. Because what we believe, we do. Not what we say we believe, right? So just take the next step. This is pressing on my heart, my family. Saying God's unearthing things that I need to do, that I need to set free, right? The American dream is not Jesus' dream for me. It's just not, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to let this marinate. We're going we're to sit on it. We're going we're to have our offering. And, and look, this is just whatever God puts on your heart to do for him. We're going to do that just like we do every week. And then um, we're going to have a prayer time. So if the ushers would come and, and share that, um, Lord, I, I just ask you to have our, your way with us. Like, it's not about just today. It's not about what we do right now. It's about what we allow you to do to our hearts that are going to affect our whole lives. Lord, we ask you to help us um, open our hands so that you can do with your stuff what you want to do. And Lord, when we're faithful in that, help us believe that you're going to be faithful in that to meet our needs as we meet the needs of others. In fact, you're going to do it better than we ever could. And Lord, we ask that we would find our generous joy in you and not in stuff. That we would enjoy stuff without making it our joy and our security. Lord, there's some friends here who are here only so that they can say, Lord, for the first time, you are my treasure. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. I trust in what you've done to buy me back. I want you to be my treasure. I want you to be my Lord. <laughs>